this time on Millennial. I'm going to be so mad if I get it before you. What? Honestly, yes. I'm going to be mad if you get it before him, too. I'm wow. kind of mad that you got I got it before Andrew. Wow. Taking cross-country flights. No masks. This is war. All right. I'm, I'm ordering 50 masks right now. There is a lot of romanticizing that happens about office relationships or like workplace relationships. It's always good until you break up. Yep. And this is why you should not date anybody you work with. Did you learn that lesson the hard way, Pam? I did. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I've just never naturally been a cat person. I've lived with a cat. Yeah. How was that for you? Not great, honestly. Oh, not great. Did his cat not like you? Um, no, it wasn't that. I didn't like him. (laughs) Welcome to Millennial, the home of fake adulting and once again, breaking your soul. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Now you two get that reference, right? Right? Yes. 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 How could I not? (laughs) Laura, have you listened to Renaissance yet from Beyonce? Oh, yeah. good. Actually, today. I've been listening to it a lot. It came out just this past week. The overall reactions from the internet seem to be very positive. I have a couple favorite songs, but I'll save those for a moment. You two happy with it? Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I'm at the point where I'm naming songs um, like you are, but I definitely see myself listening to this in the car, which is... Honestly, my favorite place to listen to music. Yeah. That's not abnormal, right? That's not unique. I think most people like that. But there's something about jamming out to a new CD or a new song in the car. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Every environment has its own vibe. In the car has its own vibe. That is a good one. It kind of feels like you're at a concert. Headphones, you know, that's different. Walking, that's different. Pam, what do you think of Renaissance Part 1? Part, Yeah, it's Act 1 of a mysterious three-act trilogy, apparently. I also really enjoyed it. Man, Beyonce just... The, her creative vision is so incredible. And she's been doing a lot that it... it for me, it was hard to process the fact that she actually hasn't released an album since 2016's Lemonade, which we also all enjoyed. I had the same thought. But what I really, really loved about Renaissance is that it's still kind of continuing her journey towards really celebrating Black excellence, Black joy, Black culture through sound and music. But it's just so completely different. And I'm just floored by the way that all of it effortlessly flows, despite the fact that she really kind of sat down with her producers and mixed multiple genres together. It almost kind of feels, not to get like too highbrow, but it really almost feels like she took us on a a journey through the decades of Black influence mm-hmm. in music, because there's like so much going on here. You get a little bit of funk and you get a little bit of disco and then you have some gospel in there. We know that she grew up singing in church as well. So that influence definitely makes sense. And then you have this whole subsection of the album that's sort of like this love letter to ballroom culture and 90s dance pop. And then she sets it all against like these this backdrop of Afro beats. It's just incredible. I'm so blown away by the production value and like the seamless transitions that is always just so satisfying to me as far as the listening experience goes. So there's a lot to to love here for sure. My two favorite songs are the two at the end, actually, Pure Honey and then Summer Renaissance. Towards the, the front half of the album, I really like uh, Cozy and Alien Superstar. And then I also really like Plastic Off the Sofa. I think that's just a really nice little like slow jam. Alien Superstar is, is really good, too. And so many of the songs bleed into one another. Yes. The first couple times that you're listening to it, you have to keep an eye on your music player because you don't necessarily know where one song ends and the next one begins. Yes. The cohesiveness of a seamless transition is something that is so satisfying to my brain. <laughs> I cannot even like it just scratches the right part of my brain in the best way. I love it so much. There was a little drama. So in the song Heated, Beyonce had the word spasm a couple of times. And this word is ableist, which led to backlash around Beyonce, including the word. Lizzo actually removed the same word from her own album. 
that album was released a couple of weeks ago, Beyonce's team has now announced that they will be removing the word from the song Heated as well. What surprises me about this is not that Beyonce isn't up on what you can and can't say, but that Bay's people didn't see what just happened with Lizzo two weeks ago, and that the word made the final cut of the album. Doesn't that seem a little strange? It, Did they miss the memo? It does. The only reason I could think for why they decided to wait is because I'm assuming that she also sold physical copies of the album, and it's not like she could pull all those. Oh, and those would have to be printed weeks, months in advance. Yeah, yeah but I also okay. thought it was kind of... I, I had to think about it a little bit before I came up with a logical con- conclusion to that question, because it does seem kind of ridiculous that that was such a huge headline and it was such a big deal for Lizzo to right away say that she was going to remove that word and replace it with something else. Yeah, it is very surprising that especially because also Beyonce, there was a lot being discussed about how she was vetting any collaborators for this album to make sure that they were unproblematic. I don't know if you guys saw those headlines. So she was putting in the legwork to do that, or Team Beyonce was. And so it just kind of feels like an oversight for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I mean, I'm glad that it's happening. I do wish, and I feel like there's been some of this in, in the weeks since the Lizzo story kicked off, but it feels like, again, there is just this contingency on social media of this kind of like, it doesn't matter <laughs> if you changed it because we will never forget. Yeah. And I just really hope that doesn't happen here because what we're seeing here is progress and progress should be celebrated. So my hope is that we just we don't end up seeing the social media storm kind of regurgitate the story and the Lizzo story again and again and again to keep taking shots at Beyonce and Lizzo for making a mistake. They know better and, you know, hopefully they'll do better. And if they don't, then absolutely they should be called out. And it's a good learning experience for all of us because I didn't know that this was a problematic word. I feel like it was really popular to use this word, especially when we were growing up. And that's not to say that it's right because saying stuff like that's so gay was also really common. Right. Even when we were teenagers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I had no idea that this was uh, a, a like an ableist slur. And I, I do commend them a lot for taking swift action. There are so many people yeah. that haven't. Well, exactly. Yeah, they acknowledge the mistake and they're quickly changing it and changing it isn't easy. So we should appreciate that they are making these changes. And you can guarantee that this isn't going to happen again with at least these two artists. And this is probably going to impact many other artists because now they are very aware of the issues with using this slur. There's been some other little bits of of drama here and there, and of course, a lot of great analysis about Renaissance, but we'll leave it there for now. I wanted to provide a couple of updates surrounding COVID. The Biden administration plans to offer updated booster shots in September. With reformulated shots from Pfizer and Moderna on the horizon, the FDA has decided that Americans under 50 should wait to receive the second boosters, which will help protect against the now dominant BA5 variants. I thought it was really smart that they are not encouraging those under 50 to get the boosters, the second boosters now, just wait until they have a new and improved vaccine. That way, they don't recommend you get one now. And then three months from now, we're getting what would be for many of us a third booster that would be new and improved. So I was excited by this news, right? I feel like it's kind of like a new toy. Yeah. <laughs> a new vaccine. I just feel like this is going to be like our new flu shot, right? Like yep. every year we're going to get COVID booster a new version. and a flu shot. Except it feels like we're having to get boosters twice a year. Effectively. I mean, we all got our first boosters when last fall. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A yeah, while ago. So. Yeah, I got it the same moment I got the flu shot. That was a mistake. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got it before the holidays. I had some traveling to do, so I didn't get it as early as you all, but right before people started coming in, I got my booster. Well, I'm just mm-hmm. thinking I got mine in October of last year, which is the same time my parents got theirs. 
And of course, over 50s were encouraged to get a second booster several months ago. So my parents got their second booster in like April. So it really does make me wonder if <laughs> did you see? I'm looking at the doc and Andrew just <laughs> making a note for myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I completely lost my train of thought because that just tickled me. But, you know, I think effectively people who are over 50 at the very least are probably looking at two boosters a year, at least for the foreseeable future. I'm not a scientist, so I don't know that for sure, but it seems like that's what's happening. And I think, yeah, for for everyone else and anyone who isn't immunocompromised, it's going to be a yearly flu shot. I wonder when they'll be able to start packaging them together. You know, a certain vaccine. That would be nice. Come all is one, so you just get one shot. It has everything you need. Flu-rona. That's going to hurt so bad. The flu shot hurts like a bitch. Yeah, it does. Last couple of years have been bad. Yeah. I told y'all last year when I got my flu shot and COVID booster at the same appointment, I did one. And when I got the second in the same arm, I felt that second one shoot through my arm. It was very disturbing. That was me with my with my first COVID shot. It, I could feel it. Like, not the needle, but the actual whatever it is. Like, the vaccine going in. Yeah. I think, and this is what Laura was referring to seeing pop up in the doc. I was writing myself a joke. I think Apple and Tim Cook should start unveiling the new vaccines, like the new and improved vaccines each year. And he can be like, hey, everybody, we got the Moderna 4 Pro Max. Everybody can now enjoy it. That was a Bill Clinton, but I was trying to go for, (laughs) for Tim Cook, who's from Alabama. I don't have a good Tim Cook yet. Moderna 4 Pro Max coming in 2023. What does he say? But wait, there's more. One more thing. Oh, one more thing. My bad. One more thing. We combined the COVID vaccine with the flu shot. What is this? (laughs) I don't even know why I'm trying. It's so bad. (laughs) You order your shot through the Apple app. That would be great. Can you imagine you reserve it like you do the iPhone? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you stay up till midnight until the Apple store reopens. So I also wanted to share this story. This made me chuckle. The Washington Post did a whole profile on the COVID super dodgers. And they interviewed a bunch of people who have seemingly successfully avoided getting COVID, like Laura and I. And, you know, I read this article. I was expecting some people to get a little detailed and and have a true solution. But no, everybody's just like, we got lucky. I, I just admit it. I'm lucky. And I feel that way, too. Laura, you must as well. Yeah, honestly, we definitely, I think, did a pretty good job of following all of the precautions over the course of the pandemic. But I think it's a combination of luck and being kind of a homebody to begin with. I'm not somebody who like loves going out anyway, even pre-pandemic. Yeah. So I wasn't typically the kind of person to engage in like really crowded social situations from the start. And I guess that helps. And I don't know, we saved so much money during the pandemic because we couldn't go anywhere that now it's kind of a habit to really evaluate like, is the cost of like going out to dinner and a movie and maybe a bar? worth all of it plus still potentially getting covid (laughs) yeah plus still getting covid when we can do all these things at home yeah are you still being cautious though yeah are you wearing a mask yeah so i just ordered a 50 pack of n95s off amazon look at you just getting started (laughs) i'm something of a masker myself (laughs) (laughs) i and some people might be disappointed to hear this but i i have not been masking for a long time and I've just gone back to living my normal life. I feel safe with the shots. That's what it comes down to for me. And yeah. and I'm just tired of it all. I mean, you're still going to maybe suffer if you get it, but at least you won't die, right? right? Right. Exactly. And there's also a chance I have had it already. I just didn't know, which would be yeah. nice. That's the only thing I keep thinking is like maybe... I did have it and I was just lucky enough to be asymptomatic or confused it with a cold or something like that. But I've never tested positive. Do you know what I feel blindsided by is the doctor told me that I the that 
most likely I would be immune for about three to six months now that I have at it. But then here comes Uncle Joe bursting my bubble by getting COVID twice. Yeah, yeah. he he sh- did he technically get COVID twice? He just became positive very quickly after being negative for a few days yeah. because of the medicine that his doctor put him on, the Paxlovid. Is that yeah. how you Paxlovid or whatever it Paxlovid. is? Paxlovid. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. And apparently there is some evidence showing that Paxlovid does is it Paxlovid? Like, does it rhyme with COVID? Oh. There is some chance when you take that medicine that you will redevelop a positive diagnosis after a certain number of days. So it is a known drawback, I guess. It does sound like his second case was super mild. Yes. Paxlovid. Ask your doctor if... So this is the <laughs> medicine you take to reduce the risk of hospitalization or death. Mm-hmm. Once you test positive for COVID, it's not something you just like keep taking. PSA for anybody, you have to be on that like within the third day of testing positive, I think, or they won't prescribe it for you. Ask your doctor if Paxlovid is right for you. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to us. <laughs> yeah, please don't take your medical advice from this show. We don't know what we're talking about. No, but Apple can take the Moderna 4 Pro Max name if they wish. <laughs> So, yeah, I just feel like it's highly unlikely that we haven't encountered COVID at this point, Laura. It just seems impossible. I mean, I know, as we've discussed, I did have a really close brush with COVID not that long ago. You did. And I just got I got really lucky. Yeah, that's that's all it it boils down down to. to. Yep. Yeah, that's what it comes down to for everybody. I think like 70 percent of Americans at this point have had COVID that we know of. Yeah. So my brother had it uh, a couple months ago and he was really sick and he's, you know, young, healthy. He's healthier than I am. And he's had, you know, he's double vaxxed. He had his booster and it still knocked him on his ass. Damn. So there's really no rhyme or reason. Yeah. My uh, my sister and brother-in-law have had it and my brother actually have all had it. But my parents seem to have avoided it for now. So, yeah. We are the COVID super dodgers. Of course, I would be asking oh Pam God. all this stuff, but uh, Pam got COVID. I wasn't so lucky. Not a super dodger. You just yeah. were an attempted super dodger because you did good. And that's the thing. Like, we've been hearing all these stories like, oh, I was double masking. I'm vaccinated. People can do everything right and then still get it the stupidest way or just because it's kind of impossible to completely avoid it if you're yeah. getting near other humans. Still not an excuse to be reckless, though, because listen, no, I mean, it took over two years for me to get sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. I had a good run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying there's any excuse to be reckless. No, I know. Saying... But I'm just I've been thinking about this and, and I just don't want to like put out the wrong impression that it's like, well, who cares? Because you're going to get it anyway, even if you're cautious. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I right. don't want people operating that way. No, that's totally fair. I will say it because I do think, sorry to break it to you, Andrew, I think eventually we're going to get it. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And like Pam is saying, it's no excuse to be reckless. I'm going to be so fucking mad if I get it before you. (laughs) What? Honestly, I'm going to be mad if you get it before him, too. I'm kind of mad that you got I got it before Andrew. Wow. Taking cross country flights. No this masks. Is, this is war. All right. I'm I'm ordering 50 masks right now. We're we're going to bat. We're But are you is... going to use them? No. I have the masks. I I just I I stopped. I'm sorry. I'm I'm exhausted from all of it. No, I'm Listen, I'm not judging you. I think 2 years ago I would have judged you, but uh-huh. you know, we we are at a point now where we did not do a very good job. As, as a global community of doing what we needed to do to not make this virus endemic. And it's endemic now because we did a shitty job. So we're just living with it, which means people have to move on with their lives. Yeah. It sucks, but it's the reality. And I hate to make light of it with a competition, but you know what else can you do? <laughs> you just got to have some fun where you can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to say my money's on Laura, but knowing... Knowing her luck, it would she'll get it before you, dude. Wow, totally. 
Totally. No, I catch everything. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Hmm. Okay. Somebody start a pool. <laughs> Actually, this is a really good social media poll. So I would... <laughs> You listening, <laughs> Chloe? We're making yeah. a game out of this. I know she is. <laughs> you two are sick. People have died from COVID and we're sitting here making a... Didn't competition. You just say we gotta get our joy where we can. Yes, I did say that. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. covering for myself before the emails come in. Yeah. Listen, trauma does weird things to the mind. Okay. Okay. Well, speaking of later topics, these COVID updates lead us into a segment that is an update on one we always do. This is WTF Internet News, and we're going to highlight some of the nuttiest things going on online right now. This transitions from the COVID segment because the Wall Street Journal had an op-ed in the last week that said the lonely office is bad for America and made the case for a return to work. One line from this piece got the internet talking, quote, without Dunder Mifflin, how would Jim have met Pam? How could the utterly ridiculous Michael Scott have entered your sympathies without seeing him every day and knowing him? End quote. So making the case like, don't we miss the moments from the office that happened in your real office? <laughs> That's why we need to get everybody back to the office. This quote went viral because it's like the office depicts every reason not to work in a physical office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're using it as a case to return. Michael Scott is an idiot boss who's constantly distracting you. There's stupid pranks happening amongst the team. Um, Other people's annoying games are getting in your way. You got the commute. You have literal fires happening in your office building. Uh, You're feeling forced to go out with coworkers after work. I always thought the office was kind of a cautionary tale as well. And I think for anyone who's ever worked in an office or really any kind of service or corporate environment, the office is more like a documentary <laughs> than it is entertainment. Yeah. And I don't know that it's the justification for why somebody should want to go back to an office. Well, this is also like everything in Hollywood. It's romanticizing the mundane, right? Yeah. It's just like, I, I don't know if you guys have seen um, FX's The Bear, but I recently yes, binged that, that and show. it's so good. It doesn't really romanticize working back of house in a restaurant because it I think it does a pretty good job of showing how stressful it is. But it's still back of house at a restaurant on television. So there is a little bit of romanticizing some of it, you know, by default. Mm-hmm. Also, I think Pam would have been way better off if she'd never met Jim. Oh. I keep getting confused, by the way, because I keep hearing my name. It's like, oh, wait, no, not me, I Pam. Know. Like, <laughs> I was just thinking Pam that. Bees- yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, like, how many people have looked back on The Office and been like, wow, Jim is really a piece of shit. We all loved <laughs> mm-hmm. him back in the day. But in retrospect, yeah. he sucks. Also, Jim and Pam could have met at a bar. It's not like The Office is the only place for people to meet. Right. There is a lot of, to Pam's point about romanticizing the mundane. There is a lot of romanticizing that happens about office relationships or like workplace relationships. It's always Mm -hmm. good until you break up. Yep. (laughs) This is why you should not date anybody you work with. Did you learn that lesson the hard way, Pam? I did. Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say that like, and Andrew and I have talked about this before. I don't know if your stance has changed on this, Andrew. I do... Even pre-pandemic, I I do kind of miss some aspects of going into the office because it can get really lonely working from home. And I wish that instead of making this really bad point, they should have talked about the the loneliness that seeps in after years of doing this. Because say your whole household was working from home during the pandemic doesn't necessarily guarantee that everybody's still going to be working from home. So what if you got like super used to like working from home with your husband, for example, then all of a sudden, like everybody is back to the office except for you. It's hard to stay motivated sometimes. Yes. It's like not as easy as everybody makes it to get things done in between. Sometimes it just like adds more stress to your workday. I also miss the collaborative efforts. 
I know there's yeah, that whole joke it, about how like meetings could have been emails and stuff like that, but sometimes it is nice to just pop over to someone's cubicle and be like, let's hash out this idea together, you know? Yeah, things just move faster mm-hmm. in some cases. I think the ultimate solution is the hybrid model, period. That's it. People like yes. to work from home and then come in once or twice a week or once or twice a month, something like that. There is a middle ground here, but I completely agree. I've worked from home much of my working life and I, at this point, very much yearn for more face-to-face contact. And sure, you can go to the coffee shop, but everybody's kind of just like doing their own thing and they're not working with you. I would love to be in an office once a week, I think. Imagine our weekly meetings to plan this show, but we're all like sitting in the same room. Yeah. That would be nice. Getting back to, oh, Andrew's, you know, risking getting COVID. He's going back to the gym now. I'm going back to the gym because I yearn for be around other for people. For human contact that's not Pat. <laughs> I'm getting close to working from the gym, sitting at the little tables in the front of the Planet Fitness because I'm imagine, just imagining you coming in like next like being like, oh, my coworker, Bob, and Bob's just the guy on the treadmill next to you. Or I'm sitting there editing and when people come in, I'm like, welcome to Planet Fitness. It's free bagel Tuesday. Enjoy. <laughs> He doesn't even work here. <laughs> yeah. Why does he keep saying that? <laughs> Your Wi-Fi is good. That's why I'm working from here. Would you feel better, Andrew, if you were on Zoom calls all day? Well, I hear bad things about that. I know it can that can take a toll. So mm-hmm. I will say that like, I come out of these podcasts feeling good, energized socially. So maybe a little more Zoom action could be nice for me. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we need more millennial meetings during the week. Yeah, we've been doing Friday ones. That could be fun. We would just hang out and and play on the show, but we also hang out. Yeah, let's do it. I heard this wild analysis that one reason Zoom can be exhausting is because the video is lowish quality, as is the audio, and your brain is constantly trying to complete the picture. Like it wants to create that vivid lifelike photo and it's not getting it, you know, through the screen. So it has to create it. Isn't that interesting? That's like been studied. Yeah, I've never heard about that. It does make a certain amount of sense, though. Right. Yeah. Because we're cameras off this week, for example. And I don't know. I, I wonder if it's having any kind of impact on our energy levels. We should do a comparison. This episode certainly feels energized, but it could just be the luck of the draw. Maybe it's because I get to slouch. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe's like, no, we need video for social media yeah. for the TikTok. Oh, wait, what's this next story? Oh, that's a great transition. I have some TikTok tea for anyone who has not heard. I guess there was a, a pink sauce that went viral It's something you put on your food, and it's literally bubblegum pink. And for the uninitiated, the sauce was created by a TikToker named Chef P. They are a private chef in Miami. And spoiler alert for anyone who's interested, the pink sauce actually gets its color from the pitaya fruit. Uh, So that's what kind of naturally turns it pink. So... On July 1st, the sauce was made available by the chef to purchase for 20 bucks. But the controversy surrounding the sauce has basically made it go viral for all of the wrong reasons now. And it kind of all started with some discrepancy about the color of the sauce changing. And that was kind of made even worse because originally Chef P said that what was changing the color was just different lighting on cameras. But later she revealed that she changed the recipe and that's why it changed color. But even more worrying than that is the possible food safety issues surrounding the pink sauce. A number of customers have reported that they received the sauce uh, and it was already opened or it smelled rotten. Others claimed that they got sick from consuming the sauce. And then after one person asked if the sauce was FDA approved and the chef sort of kind of dodged that and didn't really seem educated on what it would take to get FDA approval. It seems like now the FDA is actually involved and looking into how this sauce is made and whether it's up to safety regulations at the factory and stuff like that. So we'll see if it actually becomes safe for consumption. But the moral of the story here is maybe don't buy stuff off of the internet that somebody's making in their kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm reading about it a little more here because I have seen some rumblings about this. Apparently, it came in a plastic bag. Yeah. As yeah. the packaging. Oh. Yeah. I guess so, like, it would be easier to transport or safer to transport, but it's just bad all around. <laughs> yeah. So this is like, this is a perfect example of what's wrong with TikTok. First of all, incorrect information or misleading information can travel very quickly, but also you can blow up in popularity very quickly without even really trying. And so here comes this TikToker who is suddenly getting a ton of attention. They want to understandably capitalize on what might be a fleeting moment. So they rush out this product with evidently no prior background in producing food products on a massive scale. And it turns into a mess. And this could really happen to anyone on TikTok. People might be thrust into a potential opportunity and they want to strike while the iron's hot. Experience be damned. Yeah, I'm looking at this article from the Roanoke Times right now that says the label says that it contains 444 servings, but the serving size is one tablespoon, which would equate to 28 cups. (laughs) of this pink sauce, which I don't think are in a single container. And apparently they, people, uh, consumers started noticing that it contained milk, but there is actually no mention of milk on the ingredients list, nor does the packaging provide any refrigeration instructions or valid expiration dates. Huh. The pink sauce is currently sold out, though if it was in stock, you could pay $20 for it. Maybe I'll get this for you for Christmas. $20 oh. seems like so much money for a condiment, too. But what do I know? Yeah, what is it well, supposed to taste like? That's what I wonder. I don't know. I was looking at the ingredient list and I can't. I, I'm assuming that like savory sweet because there is some garlic and some salt in there. But then pitaya fruit is a little bit on the sweeter side. And all because it's just a unique color. Right. That's just amazing. But you could go down to In-N-Out and ask for some extra spread, and that's also yeah, that pink. Looks, yeah, it's like, well... <laughs> that's delicious. I might describe it as like an orange pink, but yeah, that's delicious and safe. Any Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> or you can go to the grocery store and buy all these ingredients and make it at home Yeah, and know that it was prepared in your kitchen, so you know what's in it. So no pink sauce for anyone here on the panel? Uh, it's going to be a no for me. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a little story here out of the Polish Academy of Sciences related to probably, you know, 50% of pet owners' favorite uh, fur friend. I would say the other 50% of us like dogs. Um, The Polish Academy of Sciences has classified domestic cats as a, quote, invasive alien species. Agreed. (laughs) Citing the damage they cause to birds and other wildlife. The Polish Academy of Sciences is actually a highly respected scientific institute, and they've designated 1,786 other species the same way, but they only received significant emotional backlash over this latest classification, likely from cat lovers, I assume. This is believed to be due in part to the story being misrepresented as the Institute calling for domesticated cats to be euthanized, which is not true. That's not it at all. Um, The Institute found that there is growing scientific consensus um, that shows that domestic cats have a harmful impact on biodiversity, given the number of birds and mammals they hunt and kill. But they at no point said that domesticated cats should be euthanized. It doesn't surprise me that some news outlets probably picked up this story and embellished it quite a bit to get people riled up. I did want to add, though, if cats are on this list because of the damage and impact they have on the biodiversity of their environments, I want to know if people are on the list. (laughs) Because if we're not, we should be. No, we get a free pass for everything. We are the most invasive species. Oh, yeah. We should not be here. I told you guys about the neighborhood cat that I'm pretty sure has like six different families, right? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. This cat, like it's this cute little orange cat. And you can definitely tell it's very friendly, very domesticated. And it keeps wanting to come into my house. 
And every time I go out to water my dahlias, it comes up and it, it wants, you know, a little snuggle. But it, it if I give it too much attention, it just like sits at my front door and it really wants to come inside. And Jasper does not like that. But there are like so many outdoor cats that kind of do the same thing. Um, and then there's a lot of stray cats, too. I feel like there's a huge stray cat problem in general. So oh, that yeah. probably adds to it as well. Yeah. Lots of feral cat colonies anywhere that's even remotely suburban. Um, it's a huge problem here. In suburban Atlanta, for sure. Um, what I what I find interesting about this, not not that I think cats are any worse than people, for example, but cats do have a very specific personality type. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's ever had a cat or you know been around one, you'll know they're mischievous. They generally don't give a fuck what you the human think they will sit in front of you staring you dead in the eye and just knock a glass off the counter just because they can (laughs) and yet when a cat genuinely shows that they love you it's i don't know about you guys but my heart kind of melts a little bit because cats don't love cats live conditionally Dogs love unconditionally. Yeah. And dogs fall in love so fast. Cats, like, they pick their people. So it's and extra if they don't rewarding. Like you, yeah. It yeah. kind of feels like, it's like, oh, shit, this thing doesn't have to love me, but it does. And now I feel compelled to love it. So I'm very conflicted when it comes to cats <laughs> as a dog person, but I can't help it. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. I just think dogs are more fun. I am not a huge fan of the whole litter box situation. And yeah, I've I've just never naturally been a cat person. I've lived with a cat, Pat's cat, and Pat's a cat person. Yeah, how was that for you? Not great, honestly. Oh, not great. Did his cat not like you? Um, no, it wasn't that. I didn't like him. Okay. <laughs> her, her. I didn't like her. Aww. Charlie. See, Charlie. I, yeah. I really like cats. I'm just allergic to them, so I can't have them. I'm allergic to catch me washing my hands every time I pet this this quote unquote stray cat that comes to hang out with me. Hundred percent. I should start telling people that if I ever get dating again, I- I'm I'm allergic to cats. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's kind of crazy how you can have a cat and just leave it for a couple days and it just fends for itself in the house. Yeah, That is great for sure. Especially I like to do some traveling, head out for the weekend. Mm -hmm. That would would be ideal. I wish I could do that with Brooklyn. Yeah, we had cats when I was a kid and my parents used to refer to it as putting them on auto cat because (laughs) you just put them on autopilot for a couple of days, make sure they've got plenty of food and water, clean litter box and they're good. You know, a dog is a little bit more of a needier (laughs) investment. So I can definitely see the appeal. And again, if I could have a cat, I probably would have one because I really do like them. And I actually find their overall quirky, self-imagined godlike nature to be really endearing and cute. (laughs) But maybe that's what's being uh, captured here by this Polish Institute. Because they'll like bring you dead animals too. They're yeah, like, they're hey. like, here's a present. They're like, I <laughs> love you. Look at this hamster I murdered. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no judgment against anyone who loves cats. I get it. Do you? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna check in on that towards the end of the episode. Because oh, yeah, yeah. I have a related recommendation. No, I don't judge anybody <laughs> who loves cats. I get why you love cats. They're just not for me. That's all. And henceforth, I have a cat allergy. That's what I'm telling everybody. Because <laughs> now you got to prove me wrong. Okay, Pam, so what's going on with Hulu? Well, they're in a little bit of hot water right now, and it's for refusing to air some political ads for specifically with regards to abortion and gun control. So this was actually publicized by the Washington Post. 
And what happened was three Democratic campaign groups tried to purchase joint ads about topics such as abortion and gun control on Disney-owned platforms such as Hulu, ESPN, and an ABC affiliate station out in in Philadelphia. But Hulu was the only Disney affiliate who did not run the ads. And, you know, this obviously raised some red flags. And if it's raising some red flags for you, it's probably because you are familiar with the Communications Act of 1934. This is the one that states that by law, broadcast stations are required to give politicians on both sides of the aisle equal access to political advertising. But with Hulu, it's a little bit different because they're a digital platform and this, um, is the reason why all digital platforms are sort of exempt from this because they're not held to the same standards as traditional broadcasting. So either way, the decision didn't really sit well with the executive directors of the Democratic campaign groups. And they actually released a joint statement calling the decision outrageous, offensive, and a censorship of the truth. They said, quote, voters have the right to know the facts about MAGA Republican agenda on issues like abortion. And Hulu is doing a huge disservice to the American people by blocking voters from learning the truth about the GOP record or denying these issues from even being discussed. Meanwhile, an anonymous source that is familiar with Hulu's ad policy kind of shed a little bit of light for this expose over at the Washington Post. And they said that the company prohibits advertising that takes a position on a controversial issue, regardless of whether it's a political ad or not. So they tend to play it safe either way. But to get down to the root of why this is rough, ruffling some feathers, it really kind of comes down to being able to reach young voters. And, you know, Democrats like a lot of us have wised up to the fact that most people, millennials and younger, are not going to traditional broadcasting to watch, you know, the news or even any kind of television. So if they're looking to cater to these potential voters when it comes time to vote on important issues, they've got to go where they're watching stuff. And that's probably going to be a streamer as well. The good news is that it's very clear that the public outcry as well that stemmed from this really reached Disney's ears real fast. And they actually ended up releasing a statement a few days later, changing their stance. Um, And they said that basically Hulu's political advertising policies will now be consistent with the company's general entertainment and sports cable networks and ESPN+. So Hulu will now be accepting candidate and issue advertisement covering a wide spectrum of policy issues, but they also did make it a point to state that they still reserve the right to request edits or alternative creative in alignment with industry standards. That seems fair. Yeah. No, that that makes total sense. What I thought was interesting in preparing to talk about this today is looking at some of Disney's fairly recent political contributions and finding it a bit odd that, you know, a Disney affiliate company would essentially try to take a no politics on our platform standpoint when their parent company has absolutely taken political stances in the past. Um, Recently, campaign finance filings show that Disney gave $190,000 to support Florida Republicans. This was before their public stance on the state's don't say gay bill passed. And I just think there's so much to say there. There's just no way Disney was surprised to learn that the GOP is anti-gay in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really seems like between the staff walkouts they had, the vast majority of the country being pro-gay and just the strong backlash that came out against this Don't Say Gay bill, Disney was at least in part doing some brand protection by, you know, making a very strong statement against the Don't Say Gay bill. I will say to their credit, after all of this, they did announce they were pausing campaign campaign contributions in Florida, which is a good thing. But a note that I had here was it'll be interesting looking at this case that you've brought to the table today, Pam, and other cases like it, how Disney and other corporations will move or will pivot very quickly, depending on what public outcry is looking like. Yeah. So it works. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Disney's always tried to project a very clean image 
to that end, I can see why Hulu was resisting political advertising on the platform. On the other hand, this is a point, Pam, that you brought up that I hadn't really thought about before. Where do you advertise to reach young people? It actually can't be TikTok because TikTok bans political ads, including ads that promote positions on issues of public importance. Instagram, on the other hand, does allow political ads, and they require increased authenticity and transparency to run social issue ads. And Facebook, who owns Instagram, has a similar policy, I believe. So it does worry me, and again, this isn't something I've thought about before, that it might be difficult to reach the youngs right now. If you can't reach them through TikTok, you can through Instagram, but Instagram's currently in a very intense battle with TikTok. And you couldn't, until recently, advertise on uh, Hulu. And then you think about like Netflix and Disney+. Plus; Those don't have ads currently. They will later in the year, but it's going to be interesting to see where they draw the line. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I don't even know what the answer to that is. But I guess we'll see if this ends up working out for politicians with regards to Hulu. I feel like that's a big get. And it's going to be interesting to see if this sets a new president for the industry in terms of streamers allowing political ads, you know, or being more inclined to allow political ads. You know, I don't think that traditional political ads are the way to reach young people anymore. Um, because Gen Z in particular has a really, really strong sense of smell when it comes to bullshit and detecting it, which is a lot of what these political ads are. I feel like the most successful politicians that I see on TikTok are the ones who are just creating authentic content, doing Q&As, answering questions, doing like town hall type things. AOC does this on Instagram all the time. Beto O'Rourke is super active on TikTok. So is Stacey Abrams. I think that's the way of the future is creating authentic content to connect with voters directly instead of spending millions of dollars on an ad and then, you know, sort of bombing people's YouTube feeds with that ad and hoping that it's going to have some impact. I don't think that's a good point. point. Yeah, I don't think that's the way young people vote. No. And you're right, though, because people are having young people are having these conversations specifically on these platforms. So it does kind of seem like it would be a smart move to make sure that, you know, all of these politicians have a social team that's keeping track of what's trending and who's saying what and trying to engage with those people as well that have larger audiences to reach. And I like the point about the authentic message because we know that these platforms um, have algorithms that depend on looking at how long somebody's watching a video for. For example, with TikTok and presumably Instagram Reels. If Let's say AOC is recording a really great message, authentic, down to earth. It's resonating with viewers. That video is going to get a lot of hearts and comments and a lot of viewing minutes. And then the algorithms will say, okay, this is a message that people like to watch. And we want to keep people on our platform for as many minutes as possible every day. Let's show this to more people. So the authentic messages are the ones that are going to go viral naturally without having to spend a dime on advertising. So I like this idea, Laura. Just get a good, real message out there and be on the platforms. Obviously, these politicians are allowed to be on the platforms. They just can't advertise on TikTok. Right. It takes more work, though, right? It's I I don't want to say it's easier, but Mm -hmm. I think the effort level is very different when you're sitting down to record a scripted ad that is then going to run a thousand times over on YouTube and, you know, cable news networks and things like that, having to put in the effort to make a real authentic connection and reach voters where they are takes more work. It's more intentional. Well, yeah, but some people are also just naturally talented, like AOC. Others, I'm sure, can just kind of sit there for a minute and 
talk about their day or just what's been on their mind. And I think it would re- do really well. Yeah. Like, I don't think they necessarily have to script something out or like just really think about it in advance. Some people just, we see people come on TV all the time, right? And they share really good messages because they're living and breathing it all day, every day. I'm hopeful that maybe they, it wouldn't be too much more effort than an ad would be if you're, if you're just being yourself. Yeah, I also think that like AOC has the added bonus of being young and she's clearly very in tune with how to use all of these platforms for the betterment of her. She knows what a Finsta is. Yeah, but also like, didn't she play? She played Among Us with people and answered yeah. questions. Yeah. And I think that that's really cool. I mean, it sound, it probably sounds really dumb to people that are old and don't get it. But I thought that that was a really smart move. And it's clearly like, you know, like you both were saying, something like that is going to humanize her way more to prospective voters. Can you imagine Josh Hawley or Matt Gates making any of these efforts? Definitely not. No, because they don't give a shit. No, I was going to say they don't even they're not worried about these voters. This isn't an apples to apples comparison, but Donald Trump was really good at getting his own words out on social media. Yeah. People really liked that about him. And it worked in his favor greatly. So be like Donald Trump. That's what I'm no. saying. <laughs> <Except> <laughs> oh, no. Don't. Oh, wait, wait. Edit undo. Speaking of politics, um, we wanted to talk about a couple of events from Washington in the last week or so. Um, so a bipartisan chips legislation passed the Senate 64 to 33 last Wednesday. Um, this is uh, landmark legislation that will invest billions of dollars in domestic semiconductor manufacturing and science research, um, the aim of which is to boost U.S. competitiveness with China and other foreign rivals It'll result in the opening of multiple factories here domestically that will then result in tens of thousands of jobs. So it is an all around good thing. The next day, though, last Thursday, Joe Manchin, our favorite Democrat in name only, abruptly (laughs) made a deal with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to or which ended up producing the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, a $670 billion reconciliation bill that would invest in energy security and climate change over the next decade. Now, the T here, and I'm calling it the TLDR, is that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said in June that he would not support the CHIPS legislation that I was just talking about if Democrats pushed a reconciliation bill that would fund climate spending. Basically, Build Back Better version two, because we didn't really get everything we wanted in version one. Uh, Joe Manchin, being one of the more conservative Democrats, also indicated that he would not support any climate spending like this. However, once chips passed the Senate, Manchin suddenly changed his mind and got on board with Schumer and the administration. I just want to say this is the Democratic Party I want to see. Fuck them. Fuck them. Stop trying to play by the rules. Tell them, yeah, no, we won't do that. Vote for this thing, and we definitely won't do that. And then you know what? Go and do the fucking thing. (laughs) Seriously. Laura is proud of y'all for once. Finally. Finally. (laughs) Yes, Congress. (laughs) You're finally doing it. But I will say, because, you know, Republicans can never, you know, lose gracefully. Senate Republicans last week tanked legislation that would have expanded health care coverage to veterans suffering long-term health implications due to being stationed near burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. Previously, Republicans supported this legislation, and due to a, a technical procedural error with the original vote, this had to be put back up to a vote, and they tanked it. Because they were mad about mansion flipping on reconciliation. Now, ever since then, veterans and their allies and Jon Stewart have been raining down holy hell on Capitol Hill. And PACT, it's known as the PACT Act, finally passed 
Tuesday night as we're Jeez. recording this show. I wasn't sure if you saw that or not. I was getting ready to stop you. Now I see the note. (laughs) Yeah, it only broke literally 38 minutes ago. How sad that they couldn't just do the right thing from the beginning, though. That's disgusting. Because it's not convenient for them. I know, but still. And if you see Jon Stewart in the last week or two out there on the steps of Congress, just like talking about how messed up this all is. Wow. Has he been really powerful in his messaging? He did a really good takedown of Ted Cruz, too, which like any time Ted Cruz gets the shaft, it just brings me much joy. But that was, you know, he's just so eloquent and so fantastic. There was one line he said, like, if this is America first, then America is fucked. He said that to the media (laughs) during a press conference. Yeah. And he, you know, Jon Stewart has long been an advocate for just proper, humane, ethical treatment of our veterans and our first responders. He very famously did a series of segments in the years um, following 9-11 covering a group of firefighters who over the years began dying of these chronic health conditions that they acquired because they were in close proximity or actually in, you know, the Twin Towers on 9-11. And Unfortunately, those first responders, like many of our veterans, have not received adequate health care. And the fact that the U.S. government for so long has been stationing, you know, soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan literally next door to these toxic burn pits and have been asking these people to jump through hoop after hoop to prove that they're chronic emphysema or their brain cancer was caused by being next to the burn pit in order to get their coverage. It's complete bullshit. He actually had a really great episode about burn pits on his new show, The Problem with Jon Stewart on Apple TV Plus. So if you want to learn more about burn pits and their impact, I definitely recommend watching that. But he has been sounding the alarm about this issue for quite some time. He's a good one. He's a good one. And Republicans don't know what to do with him because like he's out on the front lines on <laughs> on, <laughs> on some issues that they very much agree with him on. I thought we should talk about for a minute what we're most excited about in the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 because I've been hearing this week said on television we all remember when uh, Biden was caught on a hot mic telling Obama, this is a big fucking deal. Well, this <laughs> is Biden's big fucking deal. Yeah. Something that jumped out to me is the federal EV tax credit is getting a refresh. And this time it's only being offered to lower and middle class Americans. Um, this is very good news for those hoping to purchase an electric vehicle. It was also good news for my stock portfolio this week because I invest in many (laughs) electric car companies and new energy companies. Um, But anyway, some car makers, including Tesla, GM, and Toyota, were no longer eligible to offer the existing EV tax credit because they had hit their vehicle quotas. But with this bill, their quotas will actually be reset. And Current language in the bill says that the credit will be run at point of sale, not in your tax returns at the end of the year. So that's really good. You could buy an EV and immediately get the discount. And this includes a new $4,000 credit for the purchase of a used electric vehicle, which is really great. Maybe you want to buy a certain electric vehicle, but you don't want to buy it brand new because it's too much money. Well, now you can buy a used one and still get a tax credit for it. So... This is a really great update. Yeah, totally. You're still buying an EV. Yeah, you're wanting people to engage in sustainable consumerism. This is the way you do it. I do think there's also a lot more to love about this reconciliation bill. A 15% minimum corporate tax on corporations with a minimum of $1 billion in income. Love it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Also, empowering Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices. Huge. And this is what's the most exciting to me. An additional $60 billion to extend additional uh, Affordable Care Act subsidies. Without this, 3 million Americans could lose their health care, according to HHS, um, if subsidies aren't extended. So 
really exciting stuff across the board for, you know, us as individuals, for us as people. And I will say, because this is a reconciliation bill, it can be passed with a simple majority vote. So it doesn't need to break a filibuster. Mm. But we just need all the Democrats on board. Mm. So cinema, I swear to fucking God. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be a bitch. (laughs) And we'll leave it there. That seems like a nice cap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's been nice to see in America some good news coming out of D.C. for sure. And yeah, so that's what we have for everybody this week. And we'll get to recommendations in a moment. But first, just want to remind everybody that we have our Patreon over at patreon.com slash millennial. And we're releasing new content every week, including After Dark. Pam, what are we doing in this week's episode? We have a bit of a game, right? Yes. So inspired by a headline I read about a Philippines lawmaker wanting to make ghosting a punishable criminal offense, we're going to play a little game where we get to be a little petty and we've each brought a grievance to the table that we would like to make punishable. (laughs) So we're going to Talk about those, lay that out, and and talk about like what we would like to see in terms of a punishment for anybody that breaks these proposed rules that we would like to implement. Yeah, it'll be fun. By the way, we don't normally plug it, but we also release Hashing It Out each week, and this is our pre-show chat before we get recording. And I have to say, this one was pretty fun. This was a good one. I revealed something I've never revealed before. We just kind of stumbled into it. And it's interesting. I'm not going to overhype it. I'll just say (laughs) it's interesting. So if you're intrigued about a new revelation from me about an offer I once received, check out patreon.com slash millennial. Since this is the first episode of the month, After Dark and Hashing It Out will be going out to all patrons. And then the rest of the bonus content each month goes out to patrons who pay $5 or more per month patreon.com slash millennial. Thanks, everybody. And now it's time for recommendations. I want to recommend a desk chair I bought a few months ago. It's the Ergo Chair Pro by Autonomous. It's really important to have a good desk chair. We actually were talking about this a little bit and hashing it out today. Especially if you're working from home, you got to take care of your body, your back, and your neck. And the reason I want to recommend this chair is because it has a headrest and it sticks out a little bit. So it's more comfortable on your neck and head and shoulders. Um, I've been really enjoying this. If you see any of our videos on social media, you might see that headrest these days. It's quite comfortable. Look, A good office chair is expensive. This one is $550. It's not the most expensive. I think this is a good middle ground between quality, comfort, and price. So Ergo Chair Pro over at Autonomous. And they have a good return policy too, by the way. So if you hate it, you can send it back. Andrew, if you hate my recommendation, unfortunately, you can't send it back once you buy it. (laughs) Um, I would like to recommend the game Stray. It is available on PlayStation and on Steam. Um, This is a game in which you're playing as a cat, a stray Mm. cat. And I don't want to give any spoilers here, but it was not what I was expecting in a very good way. I originally thought it was just going to be kind of a hidden objects type game where you're just playing as a cat to go around and like leisurely find all these objects. It's not that. It has some of that in it, but it's very good. It's got a very compelling story. It's a bit of a mystery and it's so much fun and it's so cute. You can make the cat do all kinds of cat things. You can tell the people who made this game definitely have cats. (laughs) There was like one point where the cat gets a kind of backpack put on it. And when it first has that put on, it starts like army crawling on the ground (laughs) because it's like, what the hell is this? And we were like, oh, my God, that is totally what a cat would do. So (laughs) it's really good. It's super fun. It's super cute. And um, it's it's a really good it's got good game mechanics. That's what Mark says. (laughs) Good so, game mechanics. Yeah, I believe him. But yeah, it's okay. a great game. Definitely recommend it. 
I have heard good things. It's just, you know, I'm not a huge fan of cats, so I've been hesitant to actually jump in. I do have a question, though. How do you like minions but not cats? (laughs) Well, first of all, minions don't shit in a litter box. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know? And they don't scratch things. I've got bedposts that are still damaged from Charlie. R.I.P. How do I know? I don't know. You're right. So I'll just never adopt a minion and I'll never know their downsides. There you go. And I wanted to recommend the Mr. Coffee electric grinder with multi settings. My old coffee grinder sadly broke. RIP to that. Uh, So I had to get a new one really quick and I'm really enjoying this one. It's like 20 bucks. You can get it off of Amazon. You can get it at Bed Bath Beyond, Walmart, any place you can find coffee grinders for the most part. And what I really like about this is that there's no guesswork involved. So and also like there's not too many settings. So there's very minimal chance that you can fuck this up. And really, most people only need, you know, three coffee bean grinding settings, fine, medium and coarse. Between those three, you can make most any kind of coffee from home. And uh, yeah, it's really great. So if you're looking for a new coffee grinder, I'd recommend that because it's pretty affordable and it's, uh, it's a good uh, a good investment. Well, thanks everybody for listening. couple of reminders. Make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen if they allow you to leave reviews. You can write to us by emailing millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Follow us there. There's no political advertising. (laughs) But lots of misinformation about sauces that are pink. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everyone. Bye.